0: Hey everyone and welcome to this special edition of Praxis Pedagogy Cascadia 21 Special Edition. In this mini-series, I share some space with the Cascadia 21 partners from BC, Washington State, Oregon State and California. My hope is to not only highlight these wonderful partners who've built this year's Cascadia Open Educational Summit, but to also showcase some incredible work going on in their particular areas within the Cascadia region. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the other side. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Praxis Pedagogy Podcast, the Cascadia 21 edition. I have a very special guest with me today from the state of Washington, Bo Young Che. And I, did I pronounce that correctly? I was per- I'm nailing these things. That's awesome. Um, So Bo Young, it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast to talk about uh, OER and OEP in your realm of the Cascadia region called Washington State. So before I go any further, how about you take a moment to just tell our listeners who you are and kind of what you do.
1: Hello. So my name is Bo Young. I'm a palace associate of Open Education working for the Washington State Board for Community and Technical Colleges. Um, it is a state government agency in the state of Washington that supports our Washington 34 community and technical colleges, so two-year colleges in our system. And um, in my role, I support and manage a lot of open ed-related initiatives um, in policy, research, legislation, professional development, and anything that has open name in it, it, I'm somehow involved.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's good. So how long have you been involved in in OER and OEP?
1: Oh, I would say about mm, eight years. Eight years? Yeah.
0: Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Survived. (laughs) You survived eight years. Oh, yeah. Good, good. How did you first get into it?
1: Oh, so I was actually hired as an... Um, instructional designer and uh, the LMS trainer for the Washington State Board. Um, so I, I've done that. I, I did that for a couple of years. And then um, our agency first started our system's own open educational resources project called Open Course Library. That's, that's a really long time ago. And then um, in that project, um, they needed an additional instructional designer. So I, I volunteered. So I joined in the project. And two years later, I became the project manager of the project. And that's how I got into this whole um, open business.
0: Hey. So what's your background academically?
1: Oh, I have studied, I uh, no, I studied um, educational technology for my bachelor's degree mm-hmm. and instructional systems for masters and instructional technology for PhD. So they're all same thing, only different right. names.
0: Only different names. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so
1: in, in short, I studied um, instructional technology for about 10 years. And okay. so I'm a very boring person. Haven't studied anything beside that thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh mercy. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm hopefully going to be starting a PhD this year. I haven't heard yet. Haven't heard back yet. But uh oh, wow. By the time people listen to this, I may I may have heard back. But um yeah, so I I I get the I start wide and go a little bit narrower, and the PhD is like super narrow and and that's all that's all cool. What's what about information technology that gets you the most excited?
1: Instructional technology is a way of looking at the system. In a systemic and logical way, in you know, a you you will you are trained to look at the uh, very comprehensive system and analyze, systematize, so that you will be able to tell and break apart the system into subsystem and the super system, and eventually you will be able to design a sensible. Um, the instruction to respond to that system. So, it, it, you know, it, it is um, instructional design. Design is one of the elements that you learn in that department, but it's not all of it. So, the the I you know the systemic thinking has been always um, something that attracts me. I mean, the cognitively. Um, so I was so hooked into the idea of, um, this complexity theory, chaos theory, system theory, and. If you merge them all together into an instruction, that's instructional technology. So, yeah. So I, I remember in my uh, PhD years, we had a study group um, of students, uh, doctoral students from different departments, from physics, chemistry, to education, to sociology, and we all read this uh, Doctor Prigojin's book, Order Out of Chaos. <laughs> yeah, to to study this uh, chaos theory and complexity theory from all different perspectives and. We could all relate to what we do in the department um, from that book.
0: That's amazing because you had that's Mm -hmm. quite a cross-disciplinary group that you're reading the same book, right? And exactly that would be that would be interesting to just be sitting in that room and listening to all of you chat from all your different perspectives, and to see it's almost like a Venn diagram in the sense that everyone brings their own perspective, but there's going to be some overlaps, right?
1: Exactly, and then um, you know, because that was. We we formed that reading group because as we were all friends before we formed the group, and then we realized that we were, we were essentially reading the same book, like uh, you know, you going back to the root of your discipline, and eventually you met at the Aristotle plateau. yeah. And then, so eventually, you know, in the surprise that two thousand years ago. Um, the books had the same thought that we now think as a revolutionary something, but it has been, um, discussed for 2000 years. And I thought, why don't we just read this book together? And, 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 and frankly, there were a lot of, um, the, the physics uh the theories and quantum physics ideas in the book that i couldn't follow my own i needed help anyway sure
0: sure. (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing and so do you guys still connect after all that
1: no it's it's been a while that we connected but uh, even after i graduated i was able to um uh, continue work on this so i even ended up writing a um sort of biography of uh, Bella Benethe. Do you know who that is? So Bela you know, who I think died in early 2000. And he is the man who brought this systems theory to the field of education. So he's considered as a father of systems uh, theory in education. And uh, he, that man published uh, some of the remarkable books and I wrote a biography of it his theories and published in, in one of the magazine, I think the name of the magazine was educational technology or something, but that's again, a long time ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so do, I guess my life was not too boring before I jumped into the open. End.
0: <laughs> oh, I would, I would hazard to guess that your life was any, anything but boring. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That is very cool. Um. Mm. So what's what's happening in the OER OEP world right mm-hmm. now in your region that just gets you really excited?
1: Mm. So uh, in our system, um, about three, uh, four years ago, um, we uh, we had this chance to finally uh, systematize this mechanism of um, informing our courses. Marked with open educational resources to our students. Uh, what I meant by that was that the, uh, we came up with a mechanism to uh, label the courses that use um, OER or other low cost materials. Um, so that students will be able to see those courses, filter them, and they will be able to make more informed choices. So I know that this is a legislation that has been pursued by other states in the state of in, 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 in the states as well. But the unique thing about our system is that um, it is 100 percent centralized. Uh, We have a one coding guideline um, applied to all 34 colleges and it was created by four rounds of statewide surveys uh, with faculty members and the staff um, getting their feedback and insights over and over again to refine every word and rules uh, to the tiniest detail. And one of the studies involved in that process was the survey that we conducted with the uh, students. So 10,050 students responded to the survey, um, in the state of Washington. I know that I remember, I still can't forget, uh, those, it was a two months long survey and our Washington students, uh, Washington Community and Technical Colleges Student Association, known as WACSA. WACSA leadership, uh, uh, members were standing, um, you know at the school cafeteria outside the classroom a hallway or the in or it's just uh, in outside holding their ipad explaining the intention of the survey and encouraging their you know the fellow students to participate in and i still can't believe they raised the number to 10,000 in a mere two month period when things are so cold outside yeah so um, so that through that survey, we were able to identify the threshold uh, for the low cost label, you know, how low is low enough for you kind of thing. So so that for our number, which is $50, it, it, it has a clear authority, which is the voice from our students. So, um, so with that, we were able to get the um, permission from our commissions and uh, a and board approval so that we could uh, really formalize it. And subsequently, it, it got um, codified in our Washington legislation. And so now it is part of the state law as well. So we have, and so we not only have a state law that uh, backs up our policy, but we, it, it's coded in the state policy manual and also integrated into the state um, administrative system, which is. Um, same for all sort of for colleges. And, um, so I, I would say that in our system, this, um, OER and low cost, uh, labeling system is fully integrated and, um, ready for the implementation.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. That's a lot of work.
1: It was a lot of system effort, the heartfelt, um, support from colleges uh, and especially our students. And I will never forget those walks leadership and you know how they felt the coast. You know, i I'd like to actually share one conversation I had with the uh, walks leadership. Um, because this is a community college, two-year colleges, and they usually graduate um, in year and a half or maximum two years, they are out of the school. So I told them that, the, you know, you do realize that this whole, this work that we are putting right now, you may not be able to get any benefit out of it because you will graduate. And they said, "Boy, we are very well aware that we won't be, uh, we want to see the fruit of this work. However, uh, we are working on this uh, for the students who will come after us just like we've been benefited by the work that were done by the students who are before us. I will never forget that um, such inspiring <laughs> comment from a you know, student. The um, So that selfless attitude they had, the vision they had, and for them it is all worthwhile cause to spend, you know, to put hundreds of man hours of their own time.
0: That is so powerful because you know that that's coming right from the systems piece where the, that's going to have the best impact, right? And, to to hear students say, yeah, you know what, I'm not going to benefit from from the spinoff of this, and that's okay. I'm I'm doing this for future students who are in my position who can really take advantage and and use this 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 uh, this important piece of of their school experience. That's amazing because I imagine at two year colleges, I imagine that they're not the same as as regards to four year colleges, whatever ranking those four years are at, simply because of income challenges and and family backgrounds that they come from that they may not be able to get in and or afford some of these four-year university experiences, right? And um if if technical training in Washington State is somewhat similar to technical training in BC, it's very much I need to get this training now so I can mm-hmm. go and work. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the case in Washington State? I imagine it is yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to and to have that attitude of we're going to do this for the future students coming in. I mean, that's, that's, that's powerful.
1: Also, uh, another powerful thing that we got out of the 10th, the survey uh, with 10,050 response was that the, uh, one of the recommendations that were um, made over and over again through the survey from the students was that, that they said, um, I can get by, I have family, but I have so many students in my own class who come to the class without um, the textbook. And um, we really need to create an emergency fund um, to help out those. And so our students in you know, a selfless attitude, um, the, their vision and how, um, you know, future forward, um, idea they had it, it really um impressed us and, and deeply touched uh, the rest of the the rest of us in the system. So actually, what happened was um our students were able to raise the um, about seven thousand or so responses, and the numbers stopped there and then I um, communicated with the systems councils and commission and let them know what our students have done. And share these stories and those truly touched them. And these council members, uh, uh, totally rallied and connected with their own student government, governance body on their campus. And they helped raise the number into 10,050. So it, I would say it was truly a, a system wide love, system wide empathy, empathy and system wide vision. That uh, made this happen together. We still have a lot of challenges because when it comes to implementation, no matter how well prepared you are, uh, no matter how much consensus you made ahead of time, still, you know, it is, it is just simply a challenge and it's unavoidable. You have to just go through it. But still, um, I was um, still I would say uh, we are at the position where. Um, we could turn this uh, labeling policy into a reality for our students and for those students who visioned this years ago.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. Has, has COVID had any effect on OER development and and implementation?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, OER has been viewed as a critical and very uh, valuable uh, resource to help out our students who are um, in need in the past, but uh, with COVID, um, it actually raised awareness, um, for our faculty members. So they, they said that uh, when they are in this situation where they lost job or their partners lost job or their parents lost jobs, they just didn't have a heart to make them purchase $150 textbook for their class. So it's something that they were aware before, but it became a more, um, Uh, you know, the apparent reality that they cannot unsee anymore. Yeah. So, you know, our system faculty members have been um, those way before they were aware of OER, uh, putting all the effort that they could, uh, you know, to reduce the financial burden for our students. So they have been. Um, pretty uh, so they so they were so they were spiritually there, and when oer was introduced, it was only um it didn't change the way they think because they were already there. It just introduced another way to go around it. yeah, so um but we you know still, so, but I think this situation with covid, um, it became um, even more stronger factor to convince. Um, some of those uh, faculty members who, I guess, ready to um, convert but um, still needed a bit of a bit more convincing. Obviously,
0: yeah, yeah, no kidding, mm-hmm. no kidding. Yeah, and I could see how that would hit close to home if if somebody's partner lost their job, right? And then you're turning around and and asking a student to pay 150, 180 bucks for a textbook when they themselves are now in a the dubious position of trying to make ends meet even more so than they were before right that's powerful that's yeah that's great congratulations I'm I'm super excited to see uh, the trajectory of this in the future um, so let's talk about Cascadia a little bit uh, how, how did you get to be connected with uh, the Cascadia summit
1: um, uh, that's Two years ago, right, two years ago, we just got an email from a BC campus whom we have been collaborating for various, uh, various OER project and have, that we have been always a very close, um, we have been in always, uh, we have been in very close relationship with BC campus all the time uh, for sharing ideas um, and then um, it was just a really nice surprise. Uh, the idea that they suggested that you know why don't we just combine combine our efforts and co-host the conference so that our members of our system could see how diverse the idea could be in and how, how the the excitement how this is a national not only national but international excitement so that I, so we actually didn't hesitate hesitate for a second. Our answer to the email was just immediate. Yes, sign us <laughs> in. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so, what are you looking forward to uh, this year's Cascadia?
1: Well, so we are for the first time we are offering this um, the conference uh, virtually, and. Uh, one of the very positive feedback we got from Washington participants for our last, uh, Cascadia conference was the fact that they were able to be there in Canada, uh, meeting all the folks. And, um, so I'm, I'm sure the excitement will be still there, but the, not being able to actually travel to another country and having this, um, intellectual uh, experience with um the 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 members whom you don't typically have a chance to um connect with and not having that uh, through this um virtual experience i'm actually a little bit concerned <laughs> oh
0: yeah, for the so lack how, of connection
1: yeah for the for yeah. the lack of connection uh, for the lack of um Opportunity is to just go out and enjoy have a conversation uh, go to reception and have a laugh together and all that the uh, natural connection that you have when you meet someone face to face so i i think it will be a big uh, <laughs> job for us to bring that natural connection opportunity for natural connection as much as we can through this virtual conference <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's that's certainly been a struggle. And mm-hmm. I've been to a couple virtual conferences since mm-hmm. March last year, which seems like so long ago. Yeah. And yeah, you could tell right away that the, the connection obviously isn't the same because you're not able to be there. But even seeing familiar faces on the screen just isn't the same. But I know that um that we're working we're working diligently to to try and bridge that gap as best oh, as possible. Oh, absolutely. We can. Absolutely.
1: Right. And also this gives a lot this gives an opportunity for a lot of folks who couldn't um, who just you know, who just can't travel um, internationally even if even if they provided all the funding still you are attached to all the obligations at home for your child and for your spouse and work and everything so um, this might provide this unusual opportunities for those who always wanted to come to this conference in the past so now they can they finally can and in the past because it was a face-to-face conference we have you know we spent a lot of man hours to deal with the legislation and refund process and everything this year we um, especially bc campus have has handled this brilliantly and then we had this one-stop registration place without having to go through any hassle I I I think that was so brilliant. I just wanted to take a moment to thank the BC campus for handling this with brilliance, grace, patience, and just really kind heart. Thank you.
0: Mm. You're most welcome. You're mm. most welcome. It's our pleasure to do that. Young, it's, it's been a pleasure to chat with you these uh, these minutes here and uh, talking about your background in OER and OEP and, and Cascadia. We look forward to the uh, conference and, and having you there virtually with us. If there was one thing that you could uh, communicate to a faculty member who's still kind of maybe on the edge of deciding whether they should register or not, what, what would you say to them?
1: I will say don't feel any obligation, just come over feel the conversation check out the sessions see if there are any interesting people that you would like to connect with so this is no baggage only fun
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: only gain, only oh, yeah. gift
0: for you <laughs> <laughs> i'm sold i'm in good to go
1: <laughs>
0: uh-huh. oh good well thanks Bo young for taking the time to be on the show today and uh really appreciate your perspective and your insight and uh all the best to you as we move forward.
1: Well, thank you very much, Tim. Thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome.